Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good day, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel, and I'm a member of The Thought Hackers. With me today is a woman by the name of Sue Sheff. She is a nationally recognized author, parent advocate, and internet safety advocate. She founded Parents Universal Resources Expert Incorporated in 2001. She has published three books, Wits End, Google Bomb, and her latest, Shame Nation, The Global Epidemic of Online Hate, with a foreword by Monica Lewinsky. Sue Sheff is a contributor for The Psychology Today, HuffPost, Dr. Green, Stop Medicine Abuse, Education Nation, and others. She has been featured on ABC 2020, CNN, Fox News, Anderson Cooper, Nightly News with Katie Couric, Rachel Show, Dr. Phil, and more. Chef has also been in USA Today, LA Times, New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, AARP, and just to name a few. So Sue, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Nathan. It's very nice to be here. I appreciate this. Yeah, so I had the benefit of talking with you a little bit before the show just to get an idea of what was going on, but you've had quite the journey. And I remember when we were speaking about it, you wound up writing this book called Google Bomb, and as a result of it, there were some online laws that were changed as a result of it. For those who are listening, could you give us a bit of a bird's eye view of your of your journey sure well I'm not sure if laws were changed as much as people started treating the internet more with a little bit more respect um, I won a landmark case back in 2006 uh, because of what happened to me back in 2003 I became aware of what we would call as I received a scarlet letter so to speak I had a lady that created this smear campaign on me, a digital smear campaign, where you use your keyboard as a legal lethal weapon to destroy someone on the internet. And what they thought was the internet was a legal way because as far as free speech goes, there was no boundaries, there was no limits online versus offline where you could probably get in trouble for slander and defamation. Because back in 2003, people thought that they could just it would be a free-for-all online. But what we soon found out after I had to hire a lawyer um, to sue her is that online there are still limits to what you can say. And that's what, when you say I changed the laws, I'm not, I really, we still have laws in place that, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to put it. I'm not a lawyer. That's why I have to be really careful here. I don't want people to go out there and, and consider me a lawyer because um, I'm not. There's still laws in place as far as what quantifies defamation. Uh, and th what this woman had done is she outright called me a crook. A crook, a con, con artist, I exploit families, but then she said I also kidnapped kids, which I never did any of the above. Um, and using these type of legal terminology, she crossed the line of free speech and it went into defamation because she couldn't, the truth is your defense. She couldn't prove any of this stuff. And what happened was one day when I was sitting in my office back in 2003, 
as an educational consultant, I had a psychologist call me up because they refer clients to me, parents of at-risk teens that I help place into residential treatment centers. Um, and he said, you know, Sue, I've been trying to refer families to you, but they keep calling me up and telling me, you know, have you seen what Google is saying about her? And I had never Googled myself. If everybody listening remembers back in 2003, that was the infancy of the Internet. Who knew there was no such thing as online reputation, ORM, which is online reputation management. So I had no idea what he was talking about. So lo and behold, I put my name in that search box and all this stuff came up. So obviously, after hiring the attorney, uh, and we went through two and a half years of litigation, and I went to trial and I won the landmark case of an $11.3 million jury verdict for the internet defamation. And that really rocked the world, so to speak. And I say the world because it made international news from here to China to Europe, I was interviewed all over the world on this case because, again, it made people start to think twice before you went out there and started criticizing any product or service you were using. Again, truth is your defense, but you just can't make up stuff about people. And yet it's astonishing how many people do, and I've, I've encountered it personally. And um, yeah, reputation management and, and dealing with all of this stuff, it can be incredibly difficult. Like one of the sites out there that causes a lot of grief for people is a site called the Ripoff Report, which I'm sure you've heard of. Well, I've not only heard of it, I've, I've been victim of them. And um, what's really disheartening about them is they they rank very highly. As I think, was, was it you and I that had discussed them? Did we discuss them? I think we have. I try not to discuss sites like that. And there's other sites out there that that um, harness the revenge porn um, sites that that exes will send in revenge porn to because you really don't want to advertise those type of people because they're out there just to strictly harm people like yourself like myself and they won't take down even if you I guess you can get court orders but at the end of the day many people don't have the finances to hire a lawyer because by the time you've been defamed by some you know corrupt morally bankrupt person out there you're financially bankrupt yourself. I mean, not literally, but just about mentally and emotionally bankrupt for sure. You know, financially just about there. You don't have the money for a lawyer to go get a court because usually with, especially with ROR, ripwalkreport.com, he won't take anything down for for anything. He, he's just, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even like putting that name out into the universe because I know I've, I've initially years ago when I was on there you try reasoning with him you try showing him all the facts even my lawyer my ORM was like just don't even waste your time he, you know he was somebody that if you paid them a lot of money my co-author who's now of Google bomb who's now deceased John Dozer he was one of the leading internet attorneys he wasn't my attorney for my case but he was the leading internet attorney and he had told me he had clients that had to pay this guy like between five and fifteen twenty thousand dollars to get stuff off of that site so i mean that's the way that guy works and i'm sure you know that too right? I, I do actually somebody used a ripoff report against me a number of years ago a corrupt landlord 
and uh, he filed this thing on me and it was an attempt to it, it's, it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation because this guy was a bully and I had unmasked mm -hmm. him for I f wound up fighting back and he tried to force me into submission at one point he was chasing me with three <laughs> lawyers and I just uh, well, in the end I finally realized that the only way to win was to walk away which I did and he screamed at me for a long time and I just ignored him but then a year and a half later he came after me with a ripoff report and I wound up getting an extortion demand in my email from the ripoff uh, report telling me that I had to pay X number of thousands of dollars to repair my reputation. And I refused to pay it. I just ignored it. I ignored it. I ignored mm -hmm. the ripoff report. I ignored the, the um, former landlord and everything went away. And I found that that was simply the, the only way I, to, do, or to do it. And that's exactly why he told me, and ORM, to, uh, Re Reputation Defender, told me the same thing. Just You just have to close your eyes to it. Um, but mentally, it's hard. I I'm, gonna I'm going to share with all of your less listeners out there, when you're going through something like this, and you're watching you know, your reputation and, and your well-being just being torn apart, and, and I think we've discussed this too and, and it's why I'm so dedicated to this cause because this happened to me when I was 40 something years old and I'm now 55 I don't I don't mind telling my age and I went through this as an adult when you go through being bullied and okay it was cyberbullied and online harassed as an adult and you can barely claw out of it because you're in this deep dark hole and, and you become a recluse and you don't want to go out and you don't want to give your name because um, it's been just torn to shreds online. You don't know who out there has looked at this just crap, so to speak, online. It's twisted truths. It's outright lies. Um, I only can imagine what these young people go through who don't have the maturity that people like yourself and I know that, you know, eventually it's going to get better. Eventually there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not going to be an oncoming train. These young people don't do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this mm -hmm. is why we see young people taking their lives. And I think I've told you this, that I get the Tyler Clementes. I get the Rebecca Sedgwicks. I get the Amanda Todds. I get where they feel like they didn't have any way out. I really get that. And that's why I wrote my third book, Shame Nation, because it provides more of the tools of what we have today, you know, a decade later from Google Bomb, a decade later where there's so many organizations out there to help these people, you know? And it's it's absolutely necessary. I, you know, you were talking about Monica Lewinsky writing the forward, and one of the things that I did when I, I found out about you and your book is, of course, I wound up watching her TED Talk from some time ago. And one of the things that she was talking about was when her parents made her shower with the door open and I remember thinking that's awfully strange why would they do that and then it hit me suicide watch and right. and when I that's listened right. suicide yeah, I, watch. and when I listened to Monica speak I was just absolutely horrified by what she went through and having experienced bullying in multiple different ways in my own life over the years I'm amazed that she survived it I really am that she did is a testament to her character, strength of character. And, and I have to share with you this, the same feeling. It 
when I heard her TED talk in 2015, it the funny thing is I really never thought of her in that light. I mean I never I never blamed her from, you know, way back when. I'm not I'm not gonna we're not gonna go into the whole debacle way back when. No. Uh, always takes two to ten no matter what. And the fact is when I heard that TED talk, I knew right then and there that, you know, no matter what her past was she was the one to write the foreword for this book. I mean, she went, she was patient zero. I mean, she got it. She definitely got it. And I didn't watch that TED Talk once. I probably watched it a half a dozen times. It was, every line is in it is just, you know, so powerful. I agree. I, I was watching it too, and I was just astonished by what happened. I mean, I had actually forgotten. And, and during the time that it was happening, I have to admit, I, I didn't pay as much attention, perhaps, as I, I could. And I think it's partly because I'm not an American citizen. I'm from Canada, so it's a, a totally different uh, kind of mindset. And sometimes the, the American politics are lots of histrionics and hysteria and just endless stuff in the news. And, and I seem to recall tuning out to it to, to some degree. But now, because of what's been going on online, and your book, Shame Nation, you, I think you define it very well. It's like, I, I seem to remember one of the comments, there was a woman who made one tweet and her entire life was destroyed. And this is the kind of thing yes. that we're dealing with right now. And you never know what you're going to say that somebody take, may take major offense to. And we, d we did talk about this to a degree on, on my end a number of years ago where I wrote a personal letter to um, a marketer and he took that letter without my permission, turned it into a blog post, put it on his site, and I received a wave of hate. And people threatening me and screaming at me and accusing me of things. And that was just a a minor, a, like a microcosm of what you're talking about. So to have that on a global scale, I can't even imagine. Yeah, well, to be, to be put into the global spotlight like that is, yeah, it's just... It's mind-boggling, too, and I, and I don't think that people really understand the impact it has on your life. To and she's been asked many times, why haven't you changed your name? And and you know, good for her. You know, she she pretty much rose above it. She did go over to Europe, you know, and studied, um, and did leave America. You know, she's very fortunate that she was able to do all that. But she's come back so much stronger. And she's a true passionate, uh, passionate about her advocacy. Her new—I don't know if you saw her new uh, PSA or new uh, video for—is um, it? It's called "In Real Life" about how online versus offline with the online bullying. Did you see her new video that she has out? No, I didn't know anything about it. Nothing at all. Yeah, she just. Yeah, she just released it. This it actually just came out this week, so it's something brand new a very powerful uh, two-minute video about how if you say something to someone, how what you say online is not what you would say to people <clears throat> in real life. Agreed. And she was saying, that, yeah, and she was saying, it's a, oh, God, it's such a powerful video. Everyone should watch it. It's called In Real Life. It's on YouTube now. Um, okay. And she was saying maybe four or five people have ever come up to her in the past 17 years and said something nasty to her in real life but online 
they have no problem just sending these, you know, vicious comments. Vicious. I mean, just they are just vicious to her online, still today. I, I believe it. I mean, online, it, it's a strange mentality, which I've encountered more times than I'd like to to talk about, is there's this strange sense of disconnect or insulation or whatever it is that people feel that they can say anything to anybody about anything and the other part of it is no consequences never going to backfire and the other part of what you're saying too is you can have these people flinging all sorts of stuff at you calling you every name under the sun and you have no idea who they are because quite often they use fake names and fake avatars and fake emails and everything else and good luck in finding out who they are Right. No, you don't. And, and that's what people need to stop and think that there's a, there's a soul. I always say there's a soul. There's a heartbeat on the other side of that screen. And if people would really pause to, to think about that for a moment, that that could be your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your best friend. But no one, they're so quick today. We live in such, such a fast-paced society. And I don't care what country you're in. That's pretty much how everyone's living if they're connected with technology. Um, this and, and then you have the online distribution effect where you don't just exactly what you were just saying people don't have that sense of consequence of how you're going to impact or affect that other person with your words you're just typing and hit and send and it, in my opinion it's it's just sad the way we've come to this um, lack, lack of empathetic community we just don't care. I, I, for lack of better sense of words, we don't care what we're throwing out there. And that's where we all need to really stop and, and reassess our lives. Because I think what's happening today now, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not sure where you are in life or where anybody that's listening here today in life, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Your first impression today no matter if you're going to be uh, applying to colleges, applying for a job, your first, or even online dating for that matter, your first impression is going to be your online impression. If you're going to go out there slandering others, or you're going to be shamed online or whatever, that stuff is going to come back and haunt you in some way. And if you're going to be out there flippantly just liking and endorsing, whether it's mean memes or these cruel jokes, a like is considered an endorsement. So you have to be really careful because again, your online reputation is everything today. It's going to be the first impression someone's going to have of you. And if you look at all the statistics today of like career builders and such, 70% of employers out there will Google you, put you through that Google rinse cycle. And it's not only the content they find on you, it's your social media behavior. And if you're out there thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to worry about it because I don't tech. And when that, when people say to me they don't tech, like I had a good friend that says that to me, that means she doesn't Facebook or she doesn't Twitter or she doesn't Instagram, nothing. Well, let me just share something, another statistic with you. 57% of employers out there will say they won't hire you if they can't find you. You have to have some type of social presence out there because their philosophy is, is well, what are you hiding? Do you have an alias? Or maybe you don't even know how to email or you don't know how to sign up for some type of technology. So the, the, the whole philosophy behind all this is it's a love-hate relationship. We need to learn how to use technology 
responsibly and respectfully. At the end of the day, I love connecting. I love connecting with you, Nathan. I love connecting mm -hmm. with so many social friends that I've met online. It's really a great educational and social networking tool. It's just that we have these few bad apples out there, you know? Yes, absolutely. So, so for those who have been listening to you, like when this thing first happened to you, yes, you went through this process of litigation and so on, but what did it do to you emotionally and how did you recover from it? It, it destroyed me emotionally. I had to close my office um, because I could barely function. Uh, by, it started in 2003. By 2006, I was both emotionally and financially just crippled. I did not seek um, therapy because I, I became so paranoid. You become paranoid. I became a recluse. I hardly ever left the house, only for what I needed. I never traveled. I didn't go to my class reunion or anything like that for fear of somebody Googling me, finding out sous chef, who I was with all that three pages of the smear campaign. I didn't go for a ther to a therapist for fear that the next thing I would, this is, this is how paranoid I was. I thought I would Google myself and it would come up sous chef C shrink. I mean, I really thought that. I was that, was that paranoid, yeah. Um, depression, anxiety, loneliness. Um, it was dark. It, they were really, really dark days. Um, I finally, the way you finally come out of it um, is basically friends. I can't, I can't stress this enough. If it wasn't for those couple of friends, and I tell people this all the time, you have to talk about it. You, you have to find one or two people that you can really trust and talk about it. And people that are not going to tell you, oh, just move on from it, because it's just not that easy. The other thing that really helped me, and, and I know this is hard for a lot of people too, it's not that it's hard, but you don't want to do it because you're so down, deep, and depressed, is getting up and getting out. And I mean, just physical exercise, getting out of the house. I joined a gym because at the end of the day, people outside, they don't care about what your online persona looks like. So, I mean, I think the physical exercise really helped me recover too because your mental well-being has a lot to do with your physical well-being too and a lot of people don't connect the both of them but you know what it helped me a lot the other thing was was getting angry I didn't permit myself to be angry because I felt if I allowed myself to be angry I allowed her the lady that did this to me to win so I always felt like I had to put on a strong face um, so once I started break allowing myself to break down a bit it allowed me to heal more. Does that make sense to you? I, I'm not sure if it makes sense to you. It makes sense it, to me. <laughs> it, it makes sense yeah. to me quite a bit because, uh, you know, dealing yeah. with some of these things myself, like um, one, of, one of the things that I had to deal with with this particular bullying situation, the... It was it was so severe and uh, what this one lawyer had told me what I needed to do and one of the things I did do is I went downtown to a bookstore in, in Victoria and I bought a book by a guy by the name of JJ Luna and the book is called How to Be Invisible and one of the things he talked about is the different strategies from disappearing from people like this who want to harm you and the very first thing one of the first things he talked about is getting something called a ghost address and a ghost address is a place where you don't live. It's a, if you've ever seen something like Suite 101, 526 Main Street, Vancouver, BC, chances are 
that's a ghost address. Ghost address meaning that the address, the street address is real, but the suite, whatever it is, is actually not an address at all. It's just a box on a wall. And for those Ooh. who are terminally paranoid in terms of the ghost address, Luna advises getting two of them because there's always the possibility that if somebody's stalking you, that they might, uh, they would figure out, oh, this person is here and they might just hang around and wait for you to pick up your mail and then follow you back to where you came from and then the whole thing begins all over again but if you have two ghost addresses that pretty much wipes that out because the mail would come to the one address get forwarded to the next address which the uh, whoever it is from the outside wouldn't have access to unless it broke in and that gives you an added level of security and so in my particular case I got a ghost address and then I went a couple of steps further, which I also learned from this guy's book, uh, Luna's book, which was to forward all my mails, uh, all my uh, bills and everything else to the ghost address and to set up my car insurance and my driver's license to the ghost address. So if anybody ever broke into my car, they would only get that ghost address location. And I don't know for sure if it saved my butt, but I do know after reading Luna's book is that if you're being stalked, and especially by somebody who is potentially violent, this is a really great way to defeat them in their tracks. Extremely I've effective. Never heard of it. Well, wow. it, it's what I wound up having to do because of what was happening to me. And now, nowadays, you, you get someone like Snowden, Edward Snowden, who's talking about tracking people. And the, there was something that he did a while back on uh, this one TV show where he was talking about how you can track somebody through their, their cell phone. And even if they don't have a GPS thing in the phone, it was pretty scary. And so depending on the level of threat in your life, you may want to do certain things. It's, it's optional. Wow, that, that's amazing. I, I also, um, I'm sure you went through this too, where you fully come to a point where you understand you have to move forward, but you move forward with, I move forward with my shame, I accept, it's called acceptance, and, yes. and I don't, I don't like to go back and say it's like part of the 12-step program or anything like that, but it's accepting the fact that, you know what, this happened to you, and shame does not define me. But I'm going to move forward with it. And, it, and it was okay. And once I recovered from my online reputation, and I had to hire the online reputation firm that, you know, totally. I always said my lawyer vindicated me, but it was the ORM, the online reputation management company, that truly gave me my life back. And that was part of explaining that it was okay, and, and it's okay that I have this shame on me because I was vindicated and. It didn't define me, and I'm okay, and I'm going out there, and I'm going to redefine myself. Like it really gave me, you have to look for the opportunity. You have to look for the golden lining. And, and at the end of the day, I became an advocate for so It's sort of like what Monica is, this advocate now for so many people. Um, I feel like I have this, this, you know, this opportunity, so to speak, to speak for so many people that were silently suffering. After I wrote Google Bomb and it came out, I was emailed by so many people out there that were quietly or silently suffering, you know, from online shame. Uh, whether it was um, an ex-husband or an ex-lover, or I, I got a letter from uh, a woman that owned a daycare, a doggy care, a doggy 
a grooming center out in California where she had a disgruntled, you get one or two disgruntled uh, customers, boy, they can just ruin the whole, your whole business. And I think, I'm sure I discussed it with you or other people, you're not in business for any length of time and you're not going to have two or three people that, that just don't like you or you, you, don't, you don't have bad service or a bad product. It's, it's just a fact of life. I mean, everyone out there, you're not going to please every single person, but it doesn't give them a right to go out there and defame you or, or ruin you. And, and this is it's just not right. I mean, if you're not happy with the service, you have to go out there and you have to try to make it right. Listen, you, you, if you cut my dog's hair wrong or something, I'll, I'll credit you. Come in, I'll try to do it right better the next time. I don't know. But don't go out there and slam me to everybody. It's, it's just a strange thing to do with human mentality and what you were talking about acceptance that's a huge part of the journey because for myself with some of the stuff that I was dealing with is getting to a point where I realized you know I've done the best I can I've done everything I can to keep myself safe I've done this I've done that and all I can do now is just let go and move on with my life. And if something happens, it happens, and that's pretty much the end of it. I don't know if you got to that place, but it sounds like you did. Oh, yeah. It took me a long time, though, Nathan, and I'm sure it took you a long time, too. I mean, I'm not going to use the word denial, but it might have been denial or fear or I, I don't know that. I'm sure there was, I know there were times when I never thought it was going to end, and I just thought, you know, first I always thought, why me? What did I do? Because I, I, I honestly barely knew this woman that did this to me, and I just, and then what happened was, it wasn't just one, it started out with one person, and then all the gang-like mentality of all these trolls that I had no idea who they were um, piled on, and it was just, you know, you just think, why me? What, what did I ever do? Uh, and it, I don't know. So I did. I went through a lot of denial. I went through, like, what, what's next? And then what happened was anyone that was associated with me online started getting, um, like, uh, sl slime and, and crap thrown at them. And that I really felt bad for because I had a really good friend, um, she was located in the state of Washington. I forgot about this. This was, and she started sticking up for me online. And this is why I tell everyone out there: tell your friends and family, do not engage, do not retaliate, just shut it down. Just don't. I mean, my my advice is never never engage with these trolls, these crazy people, because that's what they want. You could tell them all day long that the sky is purple. It's always going to be. It's always going to be red in their eyes. Or the sky is blue. It's always going to be red in their eyes. So anyway, this one friend of mine, she tried to go out there and tried to correct their wrongs, which you just can't do. Well, she owned a, a daycare center. Well, they started bashing her daycare center. Do you believe it or not, she had parents calling her because when they Googled her name, this stuff would come up from the thread that was bashing me. It was just horrible. So then she gets guilty by association, and I just felt awful. So there's so many different scenarios that go on when you go through this. So then I had guilt on top of depression, on top of anxiety, on top of stress. So, you know, a lot of things can go on when you, when you go through something like this. And then you start involving friends. But she was a good friend and she understood and she knew that they were nuts. So that also validates why I tell people, listen, tell your friends and family if they want to help, 
They can monitor this, the, the situation for you. They can help print out and document all the evidence that's going on because the more you look at it, the more upset it gets you. So it's better if somebody else monitors it for you and continues to document it because you have to document everything in case you ever do need to take it to a legal situation. And this way, the less you look at it, the better. So tell them if they would like to get involved, they can just monitor it, but do not engage in it. Do you follow what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. I do, because uh, that, that was one of my issues was um, when somebody was trying to destroy my reputation a while ago and putting up these sites and calling me a liar and all this sort of stuff. And initially what had happened was is I started going there and reading all this stuff. And then one day I realized that I was getting sick in a particular way that I'd recognized from other forms of hate thrown my way. And at that time, when I realized what was happening, I went, oh, I know what's wrong. And I made a mental decision, which was to treat those sites as a bad neighborhood, bad part of town. And I made myself a promise that I would never go back, and I never did. And eventually the sites were taken down. Good for you. Good for you. So for oh, those um, for those uh, people who are listening to us, I'm sh sure you, you're you hearing like the full spectrum of what's going on. But it, as you were saying, a huge part of it is do not engage. And monitor it or get somebody else to monitor it because if you do it, and the, the one who's being vilified, it can make you real sick over time. And so it's really important to get as much distance from it as you can. And from what I've seen, in, in virtually every case uh, that's involved myself, it eventually does stop. But the key is not to engage. Do not engage. And this is why I tell parents a lot, too. Kids, especially if parents if they have kids, I don't know if you have parents or anything, kids typically will not tell their parents when they're being harassed. And what happens is they keep going back and they keep looking at it to see how many people have endorsed it, liked it, or commented on it. And it only hurts this child more, and these kids get more and more angry and more and more depressed, and, and they fall deeper and darker into that depression. And this is where you end up with a child, whether they're going to take their life or, you know, it, it gets bad. And then they don't talk, and they don't tell anybody about it. And this is why parents out there, it's so important to talk to your kids every single day about their cyber life. I tell parents all the time, short chats are better than no chats at all. How are you doing? Anything going on online? Because you need to know what is going on in your child's digital life. It's just as important as, hey, you have any homework today? How is school today? Online life today is their life. They spend, I think the latest survey was nine hours a day on their online life. So if they're keeping it quiet, if they're being quiet about being harassed online, they're going back and they're looking at that harassment like every two to three minutes they're checking in with it. And they're not telling a parent, they're not telling an adult. They need to know, they need to know that it's okay to tell mom and dad. They're, they need to know that mom and dad is not, are not going to take away their digital device. They need to know that they're not going to be blamed. They just need to know that you're going to be able to be there to talk to them about it. They need a venting machine. Yeah. I'm just telling you, you want to save a life. Just save a life. Yeah, you know? communication is everything. Trust is everything. Openness is everything. And 
like you said, yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so for the people who have been listening out there, who want more information about you, how to work with you, or contact you, how would they do that? Um, well, we have it's suechef.com is my main website, uh, and you can email me at sue.chef at gmail.com if you want to email me directly. There's also the contact forms on suechef.com, and there's shamenationbook.com that has a contact form. I'm at Twitter, on Twitter, at suechef, uh, and then my Facebook pages are on all my websites, too. So I'm, I'm pretty easy. And you know, years ago, I'd be hiding. It's like you don't give out anything. But now I've risen above it. I'm sure you were the same way, Nathan. You know, there's a time when you like hide behind everything. But now it's time to come out and you know speak and help others. Yeah, that's that's a real key thing. And you you touched on a very important point: is when you're focused inwardly, then it's hell on earth. But when you are able to turn that around and work in the service of others, you help others, it, it, it changes everything, as I'm sure you know. And it, it just changes things in, in a particular way. And if you keep doing it, your, your life will eventually get better. Absolutely. And, and I think that's even in one of our steps for overcoming shame and overcoming this type of damage to yourself, you know, internal damage to yourself. One of the one of the um, ways to overcome it is giving back. Giving back, whether um, what I how I wrote it, how I wrote about it in the book is giving back in small doses because you have to start out small. You take baby steps. Whether you're going down to um, the homeless shelter and just feeding the poor people, or going to a nursing home and reading a book to the elderly. When you start giving back, you start feel it's actually giving to yourself more than to the other person. You're getting this yourself. So I've started, you know, I started small steps. I'm also a Rotarian, so I'm always doing, you know, service above self in our club. But you know what I found, like online now, I start. I'm doing. I'm back to contributing to all the writing spots, whether it's Huffington Post or Stop Medicine Abuse or Family Online Safety Institute. I'm back to 100% giving back. I have, but you have to start out small. Like so many people say, I can barely take care of myself. How can I do anything else? I say, trust me. You take that 15 minutes and do something for somebody else. You'll be amazed how much more it's going to do for yourself. I agree. The interesting thing about it, as I discovered, is when you are giving of yourself in that way, you both give and receive at exactly the same time, which may sound contrarian to somebody who's uh, listening, but it actually works. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It does. It absolutely does. And everybody we interviewed in Shame Nation, we had over 25 contributors and experts, and of the people that had all been shamed, they all had a story of how giving back in a different way helped them. I think you said you were in Australia at one point, um, and we interviewed Ripple Kindness, which is an organization out of Australia. And in our book, they gave us 25 ways, I think it was 25 or 30 ways, of how giving back in their community in Australia had 
helped all these kids overcome cyberbullying. It was really cool. It's in my book of, of community kindness. But yes, so this is all over the world. Shame Nation is global. Um, you know, it doesn't mean just the nation of the United States. It's the nation of wherever you are. I agree. Yeah, I'm so glad that you reach. I forget exactly how we connected. I, I think you reached out, or it doesn't matter. the The point is, is that you're here. I think you heard me on a radio station. I think that was in, or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I'm I'm thrilled. Thrilled. Sue, I'd like to thank you for being on the show today. Really appreciate what you have to say and your insights. For those of you who have been listening. My name is Nathan Siegel. I'm a member of the Thought Hackers, and we will catch up with you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Thought Hackers. Make sure you subscribe and get each new episode emailed straight to you so you don't miss a show. And have a look at our resources page where you will find programs, audios, and books that will create change in your thoughts.